0: We're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson
1: on 900CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Will Weber is on the board. Willerskin, booking the guests. In the newsroom, Dada Weeks and Dave Woodard. Hamilton has a new mayor and a pile of new counselors. No excuses now.
2: Here's Scott Thompson. How about that? Good afternoon, Hamilton. Today, the gang all here. Feel free to jump into the fun. Love to hear from you. Send us an O. You know what? What are your thoughts? What do you think? Because, again, what is it? Ten new counselors uh, and and a brand new mayor. So, uh, you know whether you you know the the mayor or other people have other political uh, experience or not the the whole point is we got a pretty much a new slate here uh certainly a large portion of it and how many times have we been talking uh during in the middle of uh or at the beginning or, or before or after uh change change changes There are going to be change and you know we've seen some you know, a few changes here and there, but uh, I think this is the biggest one I've seen in a while. So uh, will it make change? What are your thoughts? We'd love to hear from you. You can send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900chml.com. Poll question of the day uh, has been pretty uh, cool over the last couple of days uh, from uh, Friday. Uh, affordable housing, the big issues. Uh, happy with the results of the election. And, you know, 53% are saying yes, which... I get surprised there. It was, uh, it was split. It was a fascinating race. Fascinating to watch. Fascinating to listen to, uh, the CHML newsroom in fine form last night. And, uh, kudos to, uh, everybody there who, uh, who did a great job and, and Scott and Bill and, and, uh, Rick and, 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 uh, Diana. And I'm going to stop there. Dave and Lisa. Uh, it was fabulous to, uh, you know, to hear it all come together and the reaction from candidates. And it was a late one. I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, there was some uh, lateness in some polls getting open, which which meant that, that they had to stay open later and such., uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we got her done, and uh, the results are the results. So again, love to hear your thoughts, uh, whether it's on email text or uh, you can call us up. Love to hear from you over the course of the day. And uh, we're gonna talk an awful lot about what has happened over. Uh, the course of the last 24 hours and such, including uh, the uh, reporters who were there and visited the various camps uh, as well as uh, candidates themselves, and the new mayor of Hamilton, uh, who's been gracious enough to join us again after already earlier in the day, so we appreciate that as well. So, uh, another jam-packed show coming up, and again, we would love to uh, for you to be a part of it. Alright, want to play you, we're going to have Andrew Horvath, uh, the new mayor for the city of Hamilton, coming up uh, a little later on this afternoon uh, in the five o'clock hour. So uh, this is a clip of Andrea earlier today speaking with Rick Zamprin and, you know, the normal. How does it feel? What's it like? Congratulations. Here's what the mayor had to say.
3: It feels, uh, it feels uh, not only fantastic, but, uh, you know, we have some challenges and we have some opportunities and so it's very exciting as well. I've, I've left to do a job that uh, I feel good about in terms of the results that I was able to achieve for people. Uh, but I'm really happy to be back home in, in Hamilton, and I can say that the, um, I, I mean, I've never left. I, I've, I've always lived here, but, uh, being on the streets, talking to people, in community, all over, all parts of this great city, has been absolutely inspirational. It just has felt so wonderful. So it's, um, you know, it's not something I've necessarily planned, uh, but I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly thrilled and honored. Uh, to be given this opportunity and this chance to work with so many different people uh, to make sure our city prospers and thrives for everyone
2: so there you have it Andrea Horbath uh, new mayor for the city of Hamilton mayor elect uh, and will be joining us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour who knows maybe Andrea has found her sweet spot here you know I mean couldn't necessarily make it work as leader of the opposition um, but maybe this is maybe this is the gig for her maybe this is uh, uh, the spot that she's waiting for whether planned or unplanned right Uh, and we wish her all the best and uh, look forward to hearing from her later on also going to talk to Keenan Loomis uh, get some take there as well Uh, uh, and again, just a very exciting night as far as uh, a nail biter right down to the very end. Also, uh, re elected, re elected, Marianne Mead Ward, Mayor for the City of Burlington. She's going to be joining us as well, coming up a little later on. So, uh, going to get the aspect from the other side of the bay as well. And also, a very, uh, there's some big changes coming up in uh, housing. So, Steve Clark, Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, is going to be joining us uh, in regard to uh, uh, foreign ownership and over. And Opening up uh, uh, the residential situation in your neighborhood and allowing uh, more flexibility with building and this sort of thing. So, uh, lots of interesting stuff coming up, and maybe uh, in you know uh, maybe that's just a distraction. Uh, to take us away from the fact that uh, Doug Ford's been called to the emergency, testify at the Emergencies Act Inquiry, uh, as well as the former Solicitor General, and is tap dancing trying to get out of it. And of course, as soon as you don't answer questions, and as soon as you're trying to get out of something, everybody goes, well, what the hell are you hiding? And you know, I stand in that line as well. So it'll be fascinating to see how the Premier uh, winds his way out of this. And uh, maybe when we even uh, chat with the Minister, we'll see if we can slide that question in the back door. I'm sure they have a beautifully prepared answer for us if we do go in that direction uh but yeah it's going to be fascinating to see uh how that all progresses with the premier and earlier today and uh i know we have this clip and i didn't call for it uh, will but if you can pull it up um there is a, a clip of the prime minister who was asked coming uh, going into caucus uh in regard to uh doug ford Uh, testifying or being asked to testify, uh, subpoenaed to testify, summoned, sorry, I guess is the correct word here, uh, in order to uh, to get his view of what happened in regard to uh, the Freedom Convoy uh, situation. Uh, The Prime Minister's tone has changed quite a bit from what it was in that phone call uh, that we saw the transcript of with the Mayor of Ottawa. So, uh, clearly, the two are defending each other in all of this, which uh, is not only fascinating, but again... (laughs) raises more questions uh, than what we're getting answers to. So, uh, never dull here. That's for sure. Always lots to talk about. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to one of the great reporters here at CHML, who is, I loved listening to last night because she was so excited with what was going on because it was such a close race and this is what news people just love you know, getting their teeth into. So We'll talk to Lisa Pileski coming up in just a sec. Last night, uh, Team CHML, the CHML Newsroom out at City Hall and around uh, uh, getting response. As results came in, and you know, for the most part, uh, municipal elections aren't the most exciting of elections. And elections are pretty exciting if you're in the news uh, game and in the game that we do, because you're all, you're fascinated with this sort of stuff. Uh, but the sort of the lightest of them, all of them, but the ones, but oftenly, often the most important and where you have the most say is the municipal election. But of course, uh, in Hamilton, and with this situation with uh, Mayor Fred Eisenberger not running for re-election, brand new mayor either way in. Hamilton. Hamilton, it makes the race quite exciting. But if I can toot the horn of my CHML teammates and uh, local media, local radio, with obviously municipal elections not getting a lot of coverage, there's no place to really hear it. And last night, CHML did an amazing job in 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 the news department and everybody involved from top to bottom uh, at covering this and and capturing the moment, capturing the excitement of what this race was and how close it was and how historic it was. So. Uh, if I can tip my hat to uh, the rest of uh, the gang down at 875 Main Street West, uh, the CHML News team did a fabulous job last night. One of those, Lisa Pileski, obviously reporter with 900 CHML and was out at Camp Keenan Loomis last night. Uh, but Lisa, when uh, I was listening last night, I just, you know, I could hear the excitement in your voice. I could see the passion. I could hear the passion, rather. And, uh, you know, you were describing the tight race and how exciting it was as one minute it was going this way and the next minute it was going that way. So kudos to you and the rest of the team uh, that did a great job. But it sounds like you had a, a pretty cool time covering this last night.
4: Yeah, it was a great time. And I was saying on with Bill last night that it was like a sporting event. It felt like, you know, when, when Keenan had pulled ahead of Andrea at that one point, um, mm. You know, by uh, however many votes, the the energy it was like your team is up in the in the second period, and you know they're the underdog, and it's like oh they're gonna win, this is it. And but you know, unfortunately, well, uh, you know, unfortunately for the team that was the rooting for that team, uh, you know that their their victory was not to be reality. So so they, it did get a little disappointing after I hung up with Bill. Um, the uh, the energy there was a little flagging, but but you know it was still an exciting, incredible experience. I love covering municipal politics because of things like this. You, you never know what's going to happen. And, and not just the mayoral race, which was fascinating. It was so much fun to watch. The the council races, um, the amount of new faces that we're going to see on city council this this term is incredible. I mean, we had three incumbents get knocked out of their, their seats that mm. they may have thought were safe. And that that was just amazing to see. It was so interesting.
2: And I know you've got some audio from some of them, uh, a couple of the newcomers. But every election, Lisa, that's all we hear coming out of City Hall: change, change, change. We want, we want change. And and this time, I think you're going to see it simply because of the change in personnel.
4: Well, the, just the even the sheer volume—you've got ten yeah. new faces, so nine new councilors and uh, one new mayor. Um, and if you'll allow me, I actually the work didn't stop last night. So me, uh, me, and uh, my fellow CHML colleague Ken Mann have been reaching out to the new council candidates throughout the day today, trying to hear from them. And um, we, we've had some great conversations with them so far. If you'll allow me, I've got um, uh, a clip here from Jeff Beatty, who replaced Maria Pearson in Ward Ten, and I'll just play a little sample of Ken's conversation uh, with Jeff here.
5: People were just tired of same
6: old, same old. Um, I feel like uh, as a community um, and perhaps as a city as a whole, we were feeling like we were stuck in a rut. And when we were knocking on doors and talking to people, they were uh, particularly dissatisfied with the, kind of the lack of movement in any direction.
4: Yeah so and that was uh, Jeff Beatty, who is a replaced Maria Pearson in Ward 10 and then I also spoke with Alex Wilson who uh, unseated Arlene Vanderbeek in Ward 13 which is Dundas and here's a little snippet of what Alex had to say.
7: We're going to have more town halls we're going to have more public engagement sessions we're going to be traveling out to the rural areas So the city hall is actually coming to you and it's not just you coming to city hall with your problems so we're coming out proactively and asking what could be better what's working well that we should translate to other areas of our ward or other areas of our city Um, And so I think building that this kind of collaborative approach, even
8: within the ward, is going to really change what's possible.
4: Yeah. So you can kind of hear the energy in the voices there and, 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 you know, you can see why voters were swayed for the to vote for change.
2: You know, and coming out of a pandemic, you know, uh, lots of things were changing anyway. You could see that. You could feel that in, 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 in pretty much everybody right the way across the country. That being said, um, once the dust settles, we should hang on to these clips, obviously, because there is a tough road ahead at City Hall. Uh, not only with the challenges post pandemic, financial and such, uh, there's a lot of work to be done moving forward, uh, as we, as we get into the next term.
4: Yeah, for sure. And that was definitely acknowledged by the people that I've spoken to so far today. I spoke with uh, Mike Spadafora, who is the new councillor in Ward 14. And he mentioned that, you know, the, he's heard from his constituents that they want to see progress. They want to see they want to see lower taxes as well. That's something they're concerned about. The cost of living is increasing. Um, that was also echoed by Matt Francis there in, the, uh, in Ward 14. Five, um, so so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of concern and a, an acknowledgement that that you know it's not going to be easy. I was speaking with Tammy Huang as well, who is the new candidate or new counselor in Ward Four, and she was saying, yeah, it's going to be fast and furious those first hundred days in council because there's a lot to be done. But I think you know it's it sounds like they're up for the challenge. So I guess we'll have to see how that goes.
2: It's going to be very exciting. The day after, Lisa Polesky with us, reporter for Global News Radio 900 CHML. And, of course, uh, after election night coverage, the dust is starting to settle and uh, people are starting to speak. Lisa, as always, thanks so much for the time. Great job. Be well.
4: Thanks. You too.
0: You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. It's uh, the new wave kind of thing. You know, we wondered uh, the call for a new generation that, you know, I've been around for a very long time. So I, I think perhaps the results show that I might have been caught up in that a little bit.
2: There you have it. Former mayoral candidate Bob Rutina speaking about uh, the results from last night. Of course, Andrea Horba, the new Hamilton mayor elect, and uh, as well nine uh, councilors uh, coming in. And we, how many times? <laughs> you know, I've been here for a bazillion years. How many times after an election change, change? How many or before an election we heard change, change? It's all about change. We got to get change. And even if there was, you know, a few years ago, and there's a couple of councilors that change, and maybe three or four, or whatever. Uh, But then, you know, it wasn't long before they get chewed up and, you know, (laughs) diluted in the sauce, I guess. So but with this many new faces and a new mayor as well, is it? uh change for hamilton it's 337 i'm scott thompson hamilton today love to hear from you 905-645-3221 uh you can text us you can call us there you can send us a note scott thompson at 900 chml.com let's bring in peter gray professor of political science mcmaster university he's with us now peter thanks for the time hope you're well i am thanks hope you're well too so far, so good, Peter. So your thoughts? We've talked about change. I think I've talked about with with you several times. Is this the election that sees change? Is this enough to make a dent and certainly uh, change the direction of the ship?
5: Well, I mean... uh uh, in my 20 years of living in the city, uh, only three councillors had ever lost uh, their re-election bid, and, and then yesterday three more did. It's sort of a doubling of the mm. number. So, I mean, I think it's a bit of an indication of uh, the extent to which the public was looking for that. And I think, you know, just from thinking about groups you've been in, in a situation where you have, you know, a group of 16 people and there's a couple of new people they come in, but they really have to get used to the way of doing that. The people who are already there have in place uh, and they're really, you know, they, they'll come and have to learn from those people. And it's really hard for them to change uh, how things are done in a situation where, you know, uh, nine or 10 of the 16 people around that table uh, are coming fresh to it. And even the, you know, the people who are there already, I mean, three of them were elected just four years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's a situation then where the culture can be reinvented uh, and where ways of doing can be changed. And so, you know, situations where we saw, for instance, members of staff uh, getting grilled in cross-examination by, uh, by councillors with, you know, none of the other councillors getting up and saying anything about it. Uh, it may be that situations like that are going to change when you have uh, such a significant number of new councillors and new ways of, of acting around the table. I think the other thing that probably will change is, is you know, even if uh, the ideological complexion in many wards hasn't changed with the change of the, the councillor, you know, everyone is an individual and brings u- unique ways of interacting with others and of seeing issues. And so, again, uh, a lot of questions will probably be looked at with much fresher sets of eyes than we've had before. doesn't mean we necessarily get better answers to questions, but it's, it strikes me that it's a moment where we may get out of certain ruts or have a bit more creativity in terms of how we deal with certain challenges.
2: Yeah, and you have to think, uh, boy, uh, when is the next time we're going to see such movement? It could be years. Uh, who knows? But, you know, you're talking about uh, coming into this council with more fresh faces. Let's talk about Andrea Horvath, how difficult it is for a mayor to come into a situation where a lot of the councillors are the same. And as you just said, with the individual councillors, maybe run roughshod over the mayor. This is a great opportunity for Andrea Horvath to start with a relatively clean slate, don't you think?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity where, uh, you know, just because things have been done a certain way for a long time, uh, doesn't mean you have to do them that way. So, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for a mayor, that does provide uh, some opportunities uh, to get around, you know, what might be roadblocks, although it also comes with the challenge of having to build a certain culture, right? The, these are people who don't know each other and aren't used with working with uh, with each other and to find a way of addressing issues productively is going to still take, you know, a fair bit of skill in a way to to build, you know, consensus on difficult issues, particularly for for new councillors who often, uh, you know, don't understand entirely how the system works, don't know the right times to be speaking up in in the process, uh, and then sometimes getting a bit upset when you know, they've missed their chance. So, uh, you know, again, for a mayor, I think uh, there will be a bit of, of a challenge of building that cohesion. I mean, maybe a question that comes out of this campaign where, you know, we had uh, uh, Loomis, you know, running with a fairly detailed program, but uh, Andrea Horvath, you know, showing some difficulty of really getting the vision thing together, being much more kind of transactional and, you know, here are my, my priorities, but I don't have this really big vision for the city, you know, while that opening is there, you know, a challenge for Andrea Horvath will be using it. How does she actually determine what her small number of priorities are? that she's going to use her political capital to move uh, council with. So that, uh, you know, will be, I think, a challenge for her as she starts out.
2: Uh, are you surprised at how close this was between those two?
5: Well, I, I had really no clue how it was going to come down uh, ultimately but between the two, but I was a bit surprised. Uh, you know, I would have thought if Andrea Horvath was going to win, she would win, uh, you know, maybe not super comfortably, but with, you know, a 4 or 5% margin against her nearest competitor. So uh, I guess the surprise is probably that Bob Bertina finished so poorly. I would have expected the uh, the non-Andrea Horvath vote to, to divide a bit more evenly between Loomis and Bertina, part- particularly with uh, Bertina's success uh, in his first mayoral run uh, in the sort of out- outlying regions of the, the city. But that didn't come out for him yesterday. And that probably explains uh, part of the close uh, finish.
2: Many talk about the first hundred days. It's like when you move into a new apartment or whatever, you're going like a, you know, uh, like gangbusters to try to get everything fixed up and done. Is this first hundred days going to be about the city or just getting some sort of cohesion between uh, between council members and the mayor?
5: Uh, I guess there'll be some team building games.
2: Uh, (laughs) 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 Hey, we're going. It's paintball.
5: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking, you know, passing uh, uh, lifesavers on toothpicks, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it remains that, uh, uh, you know, one challenge will be that the, the, the shadow of uh, the strong mayor system is 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 really being cast yeah. on, on the cities. And so I think one issue, too, in, in this first year will be, uh, you know, how does council decide how those powers are going to be used? Because uh, things are going to change, presumably, a year or two into this mandate. Uh, and the mayor will suddenly have more strings that they can pull. So it's going to be go from a, a kind of a meeting of equals to a much more hierarchical uh, system. And and that probably is also going to play out as uh, these new councillors and the mayor kind of feel the feel out uh, where they stand on things and whether they can work together or not.
2: Uh, your thoughts on the fact that uh, the former leader of the NDP and the former leader of the Liberal Party are now both uh, both mayors today, with uh, Stephen Del Duca becoming the mayor of Vaughan.
5: Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, and then we also have two former, uh, you know, Conservative Party leaders in John Tory and Patrick Brown holding, yeah. holding mayor posts as well. I mean, uh, this is not something I've really seen before uh, in in any province. The extent to which former leaders end up as mayors. Um, to me, it's a bit odd. In, in some ways they get elected, I think, because they can trade on their name recognition. Uh, but in many cases, uh, they're a bit out of touch with the the local debates because they've been so focused on what's happening provincially. So it may be that with the strong mayor system, we may maybe in fact see more of this with people trying to trade their political capital because if you become a mayor of a large city, you actually have the ability to, uh, at least with the strong mayor powers to, to make a lot more decisions stick. And probably, in fact, becomes more interesting to be a mayor of, a you know, a medium or large sized city in Ontario uh, than to be the leader of the opposition where, you know, you can rail about things, but you can't actually get things done.
2: Uh, with Andrea Horvath, and we're almost out of time here, do you think this is a sweet spot for her? Uh, many said, you know, you're failing upwards, you fail at the opposition, come run for mayor. Um, but, you know, perhaps does she have more of a grasp on this? Will she be a better mayor than opposition leader?
5: Well, I think it's her moment to really put her mark on Hamilton uh, political life. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's the proof of the pudding is going to be in the eating. Um, but yeah, it's her moment to go out in a way on top if she plays her cards right. Um, but I think as we saw with Bob Retina in this campaign, it's hard to know when to make an exit in politics, just like in professional sports, people tend to hang on too long. So for Andrea Horvath, you know, she has to really put in the work in the next four years, uh, to make this, you know, uh, going out on top rather than being a bit of a sad uh, end to, uh, you know, a pretty accomplished political career.
2: And with that, we'll end this conversation. Peter Grave with us, Professor of Political Science, McMaster University. Peter, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. And you too.
0: When there's an issue, Scott is all in on getting to the heart of it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson. On Hamilton's News, today's talk. 900 criminal.
2: We've been talking about housing a lot, and uh, as I'm going to talk about with, with our first guest here, or the next guest here rather, is I can't remember a time when all levels of government, even no matter what your political stripe is, even green, uh, we got to build a bazillion homes, we got to build homes, we got to build homes, we got to like when do you remember an election when we were ever talking about that, where it was provincial, federal, or even now municipal? Uh, and now, of course, we've got uh, more announcements coming out about that. By the way, Minister Steve Clark uh, is going to be joining us uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour to talk about uh, some of the changes coming up. But let's bring in Dr. Jim Dunn, Professor, Urban Geography, McMaster University, Director of the Canadian Housing Evidence uh, Evidence Collaborative, a hub for a network of housing researchers located at universities across the land. He is with us now. Jim, thanks for the time. I hope you're well.
9: Yeah, thanks, Scott. So,
2: uh, as I mentioned, I mean, everybody's talking about housing. Um, Why weren't we talking about this years ago and maybe we wouldn't be talking about it now? What's different now?
9: Well, I think that's a really good point. You know, there was a really significant change in the early 1990s by the federal government where uh, essentially all new investments in affordable housing were ended, existing ones were continued. But uh, that actually has transformed the landscape and it's taken 25, 30 years for the consequences of uh, of that to to be fully felt. So, um, everybody's
2: now promising to build a bazillion homes. Is this possible? What can we do in, I guess, what's the short term when you're talking about housing development? What can we do in the next five years, say?
9: Well, I like to think about it as you know. Listen, uh, supply is not going to solve all our problems. We can't do it fast enough, anyways. Um, right. uh, that's one of the problems. Uh, but it, more than importantly, uh, from a really strictly affordable housing perspective, we yes, we have to continue to do supply. And actually, Hamilton's very um, uh, got some great resources here, and we've got some great organizations that do good affordable housing uh, development. And we've got federal programs that are supporting that. So there's some really positive notes there. But we also have to do acquisition. So there's a lot of housing that now is getting sold to private capital firms, REITs, real estate income trusts, and so forth. And that has actually driven up a lot of rental housing prices uh, over the last uh, several years. And it's generally a phenomenon known as financialization of housing. So we need to get more of those kinds of sales into the hands of nonprofits that will keep those rents modest and affordable. Because most people who rent actually get their housing from the private sector, and we need the private—we se- need that kind of uh, uh, housing to convert into uh, into um, nonprofit hands, so that we're not having this incredibly widening rent situation and the financialization that we hear about.
2: Uh, we're hearing some announcements coming down from the province, uh, one just very recently, and there's more on the way. As I mentioned, the housing minister is joining us later uh, in regard to uh, uh, foreign investment and raising that to 25%. What can you tell us about some of these new changes that you're hearing of?
9: Yeah, so I think there's a few. It's it's a very, very broad and wide-ranging set of changes, so it will take a while before we really know all the implications, but um, I, you know, I think that one was a, a good one, raising um the foreign investment, actually empty homes tax would actually be better if it could be raised. A um, couple of things that stuck out for me is the, the zoning change that allows people to build um, duplexes and triplexes on properties. I hmm. thought that was pretty timid. We could go as high as sixplex, I think, and it would be really impactful because we can get that many more homes in the same amount of land. Um, and then um, the uh, th- elimination or the, the, the restriction of third-party appeals on zoning changes. Uh, I think that has some promise. It'll be interesting to see the details and how it shakes out, but um, that could help us with some NIMBY uh, problems that we have where uh, we want to build multi-residential, we want to uh, identify in our communities and so forth, and they run into uh, to opposition.
2: You just said the ma- uh, the magic word, Jim, NIMBYism, and will ah. this curb will this curb NIMBYism, or will this just clog the courts and create more conflict? Uh, because obviously, it's got to be cut and dry to make it work.
9: Yeah, it's, it will definitely have uh, a reduction, mean a reduction in NIMBYism because at the moment, uh, you know, any kind of organized, well-funded third party can uh, can oppose these sorts of things. And so there'll be restrictions on that. So I think it will help. And, uh, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that we're in a different era than we were before. We can't have uh, you know entire cities that are full of uh, simply single detached dwellings. We have to do multi-residential. Gentle density might be a term that your listeners have heard before, which is, you know, this idea of. We can put five units on the same sized lot that a single detached dwelling normally goes on and uh, we can still have great communities low rise and so forth but we need to be able to grease the wheels for that sort of thing to happen more
2: what does a new rental what should a new rental look like? We've been hearing that the size of of condos whatever rental units have gone down in square footage. Um uh, obviously we're not seeing the amount of rental developments built as we once did. Uh some say that was due to the rent control issues of the 70s and such. What do we need in order for rental to be more appealing and not only for developers but obviously obviously for those that are that want to live in them?
9: Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's some inventive designs that can be done. You know, I've seen uh, the, I saw just last night a really interesting example in Vancouver, five plex on a fifty-five, fifty-foot wide lot with units that had thirteen fifty square feet and two bedrooms. That those are pretty amazing units, actually. And so there's uh, there's really, I, I don't think we have any barriers. Uh, in fact, we've got lots of innovation and in those sorts of things. Uh, modular construction is also something that's coming along. So I think there's some great opportunities there. But uh, certainly we needed to eliminate some of the the regulatory barriers that exist to that. And, and I think we could do more.
2: Uh, we can continue this uh, discussion forever, Jim. This is going to go on for a while. We will chat again. Thanks so much for your time. Dr. Jim Dunn with us, professor of urban geography, McMaster University, uh, talking about uh, the housing crunch and what we need to do to fix it. Jim, thanks for the time. Be well. Thank you. All right. Dave Woodard, CHML reporter, was out at Mayor-elect Andrea Horvath's headquarters last night. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time, obviously, at Andrea Horvath's headquarters last night. What was the buzz? Because it was a close race. There's times when Keenan went out in front. What was it like to be there?
6: Yeah, it it really felt as though it was, like like I said, a bit of a horse race. When I first got there, uh, there was already a lot of uh, reporters in the room. There was a lot of uh, cameras that you don't normally see. I think... uh, uh, that kind of spoke to a, a lack of excitement elsewhere in the greater Toronto Hamilton area in terms of mayoral races. But there was cameras from city TV. There was cameras from uh, global TV, you know, Sean O'Shea, one of our own was there. We got yeah. to, to chatting a little bit. And so there was a little bit of a buzz when you got there that this was going to be, you know, like a, a, a pretty important race. Um, and, and, it it was just kind of exacerbated by the fact that we didn't get numbers right away. You remember yesterday that there were some issues with uh some of the uh some delays at some of the, the uh voting polls. So we were all kind of sitting and waiting. And while there was a lot of uh enthusiasm and and a lot of uh, you know, kind of um excitement over what could come I think it was there was also a, a lot of people who were kind of biting their nails waiting to see the first polls come in and and when those first polls did come in and they showed that Andrea Horvath had a very short lead you kind of saw that there was one point actually I mentioned where I thought uh you know Keenan kind of pulled out in the lead and all of a sudden you see a lot of people going from like hanging out in front of the television where all of the poll numbers were. Uh, kind of go over to the bar, and so <laughs> those things were just like, all right, everybody just, everybody just take a breath, everybody just kind of calm down. Um, but yeah, it was it was very exciting to watch. And as the every time the poll numbers came in, there were you know cheers and. Uh, You know, there were there was a lot of times where people were, you know, calling out Andrea's name and and they were actually on a different floor altogether, so they couldn't hear them. But it was it was an, an exciting place to be
2: and exciting to listen to you uh do it all as well. So uh, lots of coverage you were saying is that because Hamilton big city who's going to get a new mayor because mayor Fred didn't run again or is it because of the high profile candidate meaning the you know the past uh leader of the opposition official opposition for Ontario or obviously both?
6: I think, yeah, I think it was both. I think that there, yes, you have Andrea Horvath, who was a longtime leader of the Ontario NDP, kind of running uh, to become the mayor of the city. I think that was a big deal. I also think, though, there there wasn't a lot of challenges in other mayoral races across hmm. the GTHA, right? I mean, it wasn't as though John Tory was going to be challenged, uh, Marianne Mead Ward wasn't going to be challenged, you know, even a lot of, uh, you know, council races in Hamilton, were kind of exciting too, because we saw that this whole thing about change was kind of a a big deal with the Hamilton uh, political scene. And so you see a lot of these kinds of things happening Also, you have to think when Andrea Horvath went forward, Bob Bertina's name went forward. That's another uh, part of name recognition. Nobody really knew who Keenan Loomis was. uh, And so it became more of a, it became an even bigger story, especially as polls came out in the days leading up to the election. But uh, definitely last night, it was one of the main stories uh, in the GTHA.
2: It seems for the last few decades, people have been talking about change at City Hall, whether you get a couple mm-hmm. of here, a couple of changes here, a couple of changes there. Did, did you get the feeling that this you know, after covering all of this for the time that you have, that yeah, this you know, you bring in nine members, nine new voices, you're going to see change.
6: I think so. I think it's interesting. You know, the the, the pessimist in me is like, well, let's see in a year how we are. Um, mm. You know, do these counselors kind of move back as as they were? But I don't think we've ever seen this kind of turnover. Um, You know, since amalgamation, certainly And we haven't seen this kind of turnover in council in in a while And a lot of names that have been councillors for a long time Maria Pearson, Jason Farr They're no longer with this council So I think, you know, Sam Marula as well He announced, uh, you know, a while ago That he wasn't going to uh, run for re-election So there was going to be a lot of change already Uh, And so I think that just kind of, you know uh, Snowballed on, on top of itself and and we're we're going to see that change uh, whether or not that really becomes a an issue with uh, with with how council works I think that's yet to be seen I think usually when you see a lot of new people in any kind of room there's a lot more um, expanded uh, ideas right people kind of go outside of their their uh, their their safety zone so that they can you know, Get along with other people. So I think in that first year, we may see a lot of things happen in a very short period of time because everyone's trying to get along. Whether that's, you know, continues through year two, three and four and what the next election looks like, who knows? And you have to ask yourself
2: too, Dave. Um, you know, this is a lot of change that we haven't seen in a while. If we had term limits, we'd see this sort of change more often. Maybe that will open that discussion again.
6: Yeah, you never know. I mean, it's one of those things that that's going to have to be a provincial uh, order, I do believe, because they're the ones yeah. that are in charge of the municipal act. But it is something that I know a lot of people that when the, when they went out and, and they. Uh, they They ran they ran on things like i don't want to be i don't want to be here for twelve years i don't want to be here for sixteen years if i can't get something done in two terms of office or three terms of office, then i shouldn't be here um you know John Tory when he first won in Toronto, he ran saying that he would only go for two terms and then well now he's into a third so that's the other part to that right I mean it's 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 inter- it's an, an interesting uh, concept of having term limits here uh, but in Canada it hasn't always really worked out that way.
0: You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 Chml.
2: Let's bring in Keenan Loomis uh, joining us, and had a very strong runner-up uh, to uh, Andrea Horvath, of course. Uh, Keenan Loomis, uh, Hamilton, Merrill candidate, is joining us now. Keenan, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well.
7: Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I am uh, definitely doing well, but you know, uh, obviously didn't go as uh, we had hoped yesterday, but. I am so proud of this volunteer-led grassroots effort that came within a hair's breadth of, of being uh, mayor, and uh, you know it was uh, quite incredible. The uh, amazing support that we ignited across the entire city. So I will definitely take uh, those memories and uh, those good feelings with me for whatever well, comes next
2: first of all before we get started here uh, thank you and congratulations for throwing your hat in the ring and making this a race and a very exciting race at that what are your thoughts uh, the day after do you do you go back over things that you've done do you how do you digest this
7: yeah I well I, I don't know I've never done this before so you know I'm, I'm mm. still within the uh, the first 24 hours of of this and uh, it's quite raw and um, you know, as uh, everybody knows, I announced in January that I was stepping down for my job to to do this. I filed to become mayor um, or a candidate for mayor on May 2nd. And I spent the last 175 days doing that. And all of a sudden, I have a whole lot of time on my hands. So, hmm. um, but, you know, I, I'm just, uh, again, so immensely proud of the the race we ran. It was a clean race. Um it we did not run one attack ad. It was issues driven. It was about leadership, and it was uh, again something that ignited something uh, across the city. We came so close, and um, you know that we we promised real change. And hey, we we are getting change. And you know, I congratulate Andrea. Uh, she's the first uh, uh, woman mayor of Hamilton, and I think that's something that we all rate and we have some incredible new counselors coming in as well. So, you know, the, the change mandate, um, despite the fact that we didn't win, is there for, for Andrea and the new council to to grab hold of and, and to really bring um, what it is that people want in Hamilton, which is solutions-based leadership instead of petty political uh, uh, bickering.
2: How much do you think name recognition played in, in this Keenan uh, or his experience uh, in this case? because, you know, again, considering you had uh, the lack of name recognition despite starting earlier, uh, I mean, the others uh, certainly had 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 a greater history in that respect, but you still made it an incredibly close race. That has to be encouraging,
7: yeah, it is encouraging. Name recognition was everything. It is everything in politics. And, you know, we knew from the very beginning. And that's why I, I did uh, announce so early and why I did uh, start running so early and why I, I, I hustled my ass off at every single event. Uh, and, you know, thousands of doors uh, across the city, it was to, to bridge that gap. And over the course of that, that uh, journey, it, it was amazing. You know, the, the people that I met, um, just absolutely amazing. The uh, number of events and all, all the connections that we made, I will never forget this. I will take these uh, these memories with me forever and and cherish them. And you know, it's just it, what I what I regret most. And I said this last night um, in my concession speech was that you know, don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine. Um, and uh, I don't know what is next, but I am going to be fine. What I what I really feel bad for is is the people who contributed so much uh, time and energy into this. They're the people that de- deserve to to win. So I feel uh, definitely bad about that. But um, I'm ready to to look forward and and I, you know I offered Andrea. I, I talked to her this morning and I offered her my full support and help in doing whatever I can to help make Hamilton better. I definitely want to see her succeed and. Um, you know I, I think that uh i can definitely uh help out in that regard so i'll be i'll be around and um you know i i hope to be able to find something that will provide me the opportunity to continue to to bring leadership to this community because that's what we need
2: it might be too early to ask this, Keenan, but what is your impression of your first venture into this? Uh, they say in some situations it's it's a difficult sport. Um, uh, obviously, making light of it uh, with the sport analogy. But what's your impression of of doing this?
7: Yeah, I have no regrets. Um, you know, again, I I will cherish this this whole time, uh, all of the effort that I put into it. Um, I'll be able I, I can look myself in the mirror at, at least knowing that I, I gave it my all and that we we really tried to make it about ideas and about leadership um we we kept out of politics and and that that the dirtiness of it and I think that you know that, that's what I was trying to offer I, I think that as we look at all levels of government you know it, it would just be nice if more, good people stepped up to run that's what we want right Mm -hmm. as as people um who are are looking to be served by by their leadership and um we we really tried to provide that alternative and you know again hey we we've got nothing to be ashamed of we came so so close and so there there was something about it that that people that really did resonate with people and um you know it was I, I, i was just we were just trying to bring something different, and uh, Hamilton deserved that, needed it, uh, got it, um, and uh, you know, we, we again we have a whole heaping f- spoonful of, of change in uh, Hamilton City Council. So I'm I'm proud of that. I I think we we've already made a difference, um, and uh, and that's that's something that I can definitely hang my hat on. Does your success encourage you to keep going? Would you do it again? I would definitely do it again, knowing what I did. Um, I'm not saying that I am doing it again. I don't know Mm -hmm. if the higher levels of government to me have never appealed to me. I've never been a part of any party and I can't see how or or where I would fit in. Um, I, I wanted this because it was about providing leadership in this community. And there are a whole bunch of other ways in which I can do that. And so that's what I'm I'm going to be looking forward to uh, as uh, the future unfolds. But, you know, right now I can I can be a parent again. Um, I, there's there's a lot of uh, things around the house that uh, have been neglected that I need to get to outside in the garden. So for the first time in, in a long time, I have time. And uh, that's not a bad thing, although I'm already a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talk about the fact and
2: we've only got a few seconds left that there are there is so much change on council uh, as a mayor or whether you or or somebody else uh, that's got to be a, a positive scenario knowing that you, at least you're not having to swim too much upstream
7: yeah I, I, I think this is everything that we had hoped for mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the composition of council just not when it comes to you know who's occupying the the mayor's office, but yeah, you know I trust that Andrea is going to do the right thing uh, going forward. I expect she will, and I think that you know there's a lot of people that are out there who are ready to hold her accountable uh, if she doesn't. Um, all of us deserve to aim higher. That's that was one of the big things that we we promised was delivering real change to Hamilton and to aim higher. And so now it's up to those folks who have been chosen by the the electorate. To actually do that. And if they do that, then they will have my full support and I'll do everything I can to help out. Keenan Loomis
2: with us, Hamilton Merrill candidate. Uh, Keenan, congratulations on a very tight race. Uh, good luck, whatever you decide to do moving forward.
7: Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it.
0: Thompson isn't satisfied with an answer. He'll delve into the issue until he is. You're listening to Hamilton today with Scott Thompson on Hamilton's News. Today's Talk 900 CHML.
2: All right, it's going to be nice to be talking to Marianne Mead Ward about something other than coyotes. Uh, but great news, Marianne Mead Ward, for her will serve a second term as mayor Burlington, uh, Ontario, in an overwhelming win in last night's municipal election. Uh, and of course, the campaign reducing traffic congestion overdevelopment in the city and the uh, implementation of an affordable housing plan. Marianne Mead-Ward is with us now. Marianne, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations. Thank
1: you so much. It's a great morning.
2: How are you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling so thrilled that I can be back for another four years and really looking forward to continuing the work that that we really laid the foundation for this last term.
2: Uh, What have you learned from the first term that you can take into the second
1: well, uh, there's how, how much time do you have?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know, this this is what I've learned in my twelve years in office is that you have to have patience and you have to have perseverance to get uh, what you want to achieve done. There there are things that some things that I started my very first term uh, in office as a council member that are just bearing fruit now and. And that's that's a challenge in a world that is used to instant response, instant answers, instant solutions, instant opinions, uh, to say, look, uh, some things that are worth doing take a little bit of time, uh, particularly those big issues that we really need to work with other levels of government uh, to help us solve. We have a role to play, but we can't do it alone. Uh, things like affordable housing, climate change, uh, reconciliation with Indigenous communities in Burlington and beyond. Those are issues that took many decades to form and it will take some time to uh, to, to start to make improvements in those areas, but we have to set our mind to it and uh, and be persistent and not give up
2: what about housing issues? Because it's amazing how this issue has jumped to the forefront, whether it's a provincial election, municipal, even federal, uh, doesn't matter your, your political uh, party stripe or such. Every level, everybody's talking about housing. How do you balance uh, affordable housing and obviously situations that you've had with overdevelopment? We remember the, you know, at the waterfront and such. So how do you, how do you balance this at, at the municipal level?
1: Well, first we have to deal with facts, and the biggest myth that's been peddled out there is that high-rises, especially close to the waterfront, would give us more affordable housing. Uh, Not one of the units that have been built downtown Burlington uh, qualified under the Halton region's affordable housing metric. It, It simply is a myth, and so we have to now deal with facts, and we have to look at how we're going to match people's income to what they can afford. And we developed in the last term of council a housing strategy. And part of that strategy is to look at uh, incentives. So, for example, if somebody is going to build rental or affordable housing, uh, is there a credit on their development charges? That's something that we've been talking about as part of our, uh, of, uh, our housing strategy. The government is now talking about that today. Uh, We also can look at inclusionary zoning as a tool to require a certain number of affordable units as part of any new major build. These are tools that the province has only recently given municipalities. We didn't have those before, and so we couldn't compel a percentage of affordable housing in all of the condos that have gone up in Burlington in recent years. And that's a huge missed opportunity.
2: Uh, and again, that will take a long time to to bear fruit. What about traffic congestion? Obviously, this is an issue for everyone along the GTHA. What are the issues in, in Burlington? What can you do to, to move things along?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. And one is providing people alternatives to a single occupancy vehicle to get around town. And so we are investing continuously. Uh, we did in the last term. We're investing in our transit system. We are making, you know, with more uh, drivers, more frequency, we've made transit free for 12 and under, for seniors at off peak times, and for any of uh, low income residents that qualify for the split pass. And in the next term of council, something that we started discussing uh, until COVID uh, shut schools, we were talking about free transit for high school kids. I'm, I'm committed to picking those discussions up. If you make transit reliable, efficient, effective, fast, uh, people will use it, and that takes vehicles off the roads. But we also have to design and build our communities, not with the car in mind, but with pedestrians and people and walkability in mind. And so we know that the bulk of new growth coming to Burlington around our three GO stations, uh, that's where we want to see the growth. But we can't just have housing. If if all we put is housing there, and that's the pressure on us all the time, uh, we are going to create cra- traffic nightmares on our streets. So people need to be able to walk out the door, uh, get on a train to go somewhere, but also walk out their door to go to a service, a shop, a job, a park, and a community centre. And so we're designing those plans right now, and they will be approved by this uh, term of council, but we need all of those factors uh, and amenities to be in place within a walkable distance. Because we can't we can't traffic engineer ourselves out of congestion. We've got to find ways to um, that are helpful to get people to use other forms of transportation or not need their car at all.
2: Marianne Mead Ward with us, reelected mayor, City of Burlington. Marianne, congratulations. Good luck. We'll chat again. Thanks so much for your interest.
0: You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML.
2: Andrea Horvath is the mayor-elect for the city of Hamilton, making history last night, becoming the first woman to do so. And not a bad birthday present as well. Andrea Horvath is with us, mayor-elect for Hamilton. Andrea, congratulations and happy birthday.
3: Well, thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate that
2: man the planets must have been correctly aligned here did you feel wow this is going to be on my birthday you never know that might bring me luck did that ever cross your mind
3: you know what it did when i uh, when i realized uh, the date of the municipal election aligned with my 60th birthday yes i'm prepared to acknowledge that uh it just uh, it seemed like the universe was uh, telling me something it's, it's quite funny
2: Welcome to the club, Andrea. You are now officially a teenager. Uh, that's the new term, teenager. Oh, there you thanks, go.
3: Thanks. Thanks. I've not heard it before. I don't know if I like it or not, but thanks.
2: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm a little unsure myself. All right. Uh, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting race. Uh, your thoughts the day after as you're processing all of this.
3: Well, I've uh, I've certainly heard from a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, Hamiltonians, a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of media folks have reached out. It's been, it's been a very busy day. So, to be really frank, I really, I don't think I've taken very much time to stop and reflect. I really don't. I'm grateful. I'm excited still, as I have been all through the campaign. I'm humbled. Uh, but, um, and I, I obviously have some, you know, some ideas and some, uh, and some ambitions around how we can turn things around with the city and, and get some things done and excited with the new council, with so many new faces. Uh, but, um, but I think tomorrow is going to be the day when I do a lot more of the heavy reflection. Uh, it has been an amazing journey, though, and uh, you know, the, having so many people in the race, uh, so many people in the mayor's race, but also in all the other races has been, I think, good for our city, although you know the turnout, I think we all think it could have been better
2: uh mayoral candidates i have to think uh andrea even past and present uh are very envious of you now because you know even getting the mayor's chair you still have to deal with a council there's been lots of chatter about that over the years and change and such but you're walking in with nine brand new counselors that obviously presents a bit of a challenge but you've also got a clean slate does uh, what's your view of that thinking you know at least for uh, i don't have to swim upstream right away
3: yeah, I think it's really, uh, I think it's really going to be good for our city. And I think, uh, it's an exciting time for our city. Yes, we have some challenges, but we also have great opportunity. Uh, and I think these, you know, new voices, new ideas, new energy, uh, is, is really great. And building, you know, on a, on a kind of a, a foundation of a, of a new hopeful team, uh, is, uh, something I'm really excited for. I, I just, I think we're going to do some really wonderful things. And, uh, and you're right. I, I do, uh, I do feel it's an advantage to, you know, to be able to harness that energy and and, and hopefully lead us uh, to, um, you know, to some great accomplishments for the people, not for ourselves, but for the people of Hamilton.
2: When you were weaving through your political career, whether it's a uh, uh, leader of the NDP and, and the uh, provincial opposition or back in your days as councillor, did you ever think uh, one day, I'm dreaming of the big chair, I want to be mayor? Did that ever cross your mind?
3: Well, I think maybe early on, when I was uh, back on city council, it probably crossed my mind. Uh, but then I decided that uh, that I was going to, you know, move to the provincial level and and see if I couldn't um, honestly pull my party out of uh, where they were, which was not a very good place. Uh, but now I have come full circle, and uh, you know, and to some extent, well, actually, there is no partisanship at all at the city uh, order of government, and that's good. I mean, we're all working for the city, and so. I'm going to be reaching across to not only people who have identified, uh, you know, political kind of leanings uh, around the council table, but those who have none. And we're all going to work together, and we're going to work with our MPPs, and we're going to work with our MPs, and we're going to work with the school board representatives on, on all the boards to, uh, you know, to, to make sure that we are, we're having a, a coordinated approach that really, um, it, it really can be exponential in terms of its impact.
2: Do you think this will end up being a uh, an unexpected sweet spot for you? Um, maybe not your plans at one point, but boy, this just seems to fit for you now.
3: Well, I I, I see it more as a as a as an opportunity and um, as and a responsibility and obligation to to really uh, realize the potential that I think the the people of the city know we have, and so I don't see it as something for me, uh, but as a Hamiltonian. Uh, when I put mm. that hat on and see that opportunity, yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty great. It's uh, I, I think our city is in a sweet spot right now. And again, I I'm not naive. I know there are challenges, but with the you know with the new blood, as you said, uh, as we talked about, with the uh, uh, with the opportunities ahead of us, I, I just think things can really uh, you know take a change or a turn for the better for our city.
2: Uh, obviously, once the dust settles here, reality kicks in, and it, you, you know it's great for all of these accomplishments and congratulations to all those that that have had uh, have been victorious through this election campaign. But boy, there's a lot of work to do, especially coming out of a pandemic, some unexpected expenses. You got a tough uh, tough road ahead
4: of you.
3: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt that there's a lot of work, but that's why I'm I'm very committed to that collaborative approach. Uh, reaching out not only to the other levels of government and the other representatives, but also to, you know, to the organizations and agencies in our community that are our partners in, in trying to solve some of the challenges that we face. Uh, making sure that we are, uh, that, that we're just, we're maximizing those relationships uh, to be able to, uh, to address some of the concerns we have. And, and as you know, we're heading also into an economic headwind. Uh, oh. And so there's some challenges that we face there, not only in terms of our own budgeting. Uh, but in terms of how our own budgeting as a city uh, impacts uh, Hamiltonians who are also facing economic headwinds, so there's a lot of balancing to be done. Uh, it's a it's a very um, it's a it's a very difficult time for folks, and it might get a little bit more difficult. And we got to we've got to do our best uh, to uh, to keep that uh, front of mind.
2: Andrea Horvath with us, mayor-elect, City of Hamilton. Again, congratulations, Andrea. Hope to chat again and many times, and good luck moving forward.
3: Thanks so much. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks so much, Scott. Take care.
2: All right, we're hearing of lots of changes happening in Ontario in regard to housing and uh, uh, just the rules and regulations around uh, development and such. Let's bring in Steve Clark, Ontario's Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, uh, introducing legislation to outline the next phase of Ontario's plans to build homes and uh, get her done, as they say. Steve Clark, Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, with us now. Steve, thank you for your time. I hope you're doing well.
8: I'm doing well, Scott. I hope you're doing well also, and uh, big day for housing in Ontario today.
2: So, lots of chatter about this, and, and as I've said many times, uh, this is the first, uh, whether it's a provincial election, municipal, or even federal, that uh, housing has been a top issue right away, right the way across the board, whatever uh, level of government or whatever political stripe you seem to be uh, supporting, this seems to be the call of the day. Uh, tell us about what is going to change and how this will lead to more homes being built in Ontario. What has been announced here? What's changing?
8: Well, Scott, today uh, I tabled just uh, about three hours ago. Uh, our next housing supply action plan, More Homes Built Better. So this builds upon the two previous plans that I've done. But uh, th- make no mistake, this one is the most bold and transformative plan, certainly in my lifetime. It fundamentally changes a number of uh, of planning matters uh, that uh, creates more as-of-right missing middle housing Uh, more homes being built near transit and really deals with the fees that uh, stifle affordable and attainable housing. There's lots in here. Uh, We've listened to the experts, uh, but we also were just elected in June on a promise to build 1.5 million homes over the next 10 years. The best year we've ever had, Scott, was last year in 2021. We uh, had a record, a 30-year record of uh, building, but it was only 100,000 starts. So you can do the math, 100,000 times 10 isn't going to get us to that 1500000 million. We're going to be at least 500,000 houses short. And that's not what the projected growth factored in. So you know, we had to be bold. We had to be transformative. Uh, and this bill will go a long way to help us meet that goal.
2: Give us a couple of examples. We've heard uh, 25% tax on foreign investors. We've heard allowing to build more uh, dwellings within a, a city lot, per se. Give us an example.
8: Well, you know, the example that uh, that we use in addition to the two you just gave us is the fact that uh, we needed to freeze, reduce and exempt the type of housing we want built. So, attainable housing, affordable housing, nonprofit housing and and the studies are out there, you know, the uh, f- fees and government charges are a significant portion of the cost of housing, adding up to nearly 200,000 dollars per unit so we we wanted to ensure that those affordable attainable and nonprofit are exempt from things like development charges parkland dedication community benefits charge we also wanted to incent more rental and provided a sliding scale of discounts in development charges up to 25 percent for family size rental we, we need all types all shapes all sizes all price ranges of housing we are that short in all those sectors and regardless of the success we had last year we need to put shovels in the ground now we need to make sure that these fees and the 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 input costs are dealt with in addition to some of the planning matters like you know intensification around transit and like those three units as of right on every existing home in the province so it's big it's bold uh but it's needed we we need it and we need it now
2: Uh, Obviously, we've heard uh, over time that, you know, whether it's red tape, whether it's bureaucracy, whether it's nimbyism, uh, this is all being stalled. So now, obviously, you're eliminating a lot of that. Let me play devil's advocate here. Are you worried that the demand uh, to build will mean sloppy planning that will, because we're cutting some of that red tape, stuff that we don't want will get through because that red tape was put there for a reason. So they will say, Steve, so how do you balance? That.
8: No, I, I think the balance uh, I think the balance, Scott, is the fact that uh, we need everybody to do their part, right? So we need all three levels of government, whether it be our municipal partners or even the federal government, right? They've announced a $4 billion accelerator fund. I think we need to, to work with the feds and uh, get that money to get shovels in the ground and, and help our municipal partners. But we also need the development community and the private sector, and we need not, not, prof, not for profit to all do their fair share to help us in that pledge. Uh, You know, the 1.5 million homes, Hamilton's share of the housing pledge, 47,000 homes over the next 10 years. I think that's a very doable pledge. But, you know, make no mistake, you mentioned NIMBYs. Uh, You know, Scott, I think we're past NIMBYs now. I think we're past Hmm. not in my backyard. We're more like bananas. Build absolutely nothing anywhere near anyone. So we've got (laughs) to change the bananas. We've got to, we've got to stop people holding up good housing projects. So we're going to make a lot of changes, but they're needed and they're needed now. And that's, uh, that was the impetus of me adding uh, our next housing supply action plan. And I have to tell you, under the leadership of Premier Ford, we are going to get it done.
2: Uh, everybody needs housing, no matter uh, what end of the spectrum you're at. Uh, whether you're starting, whether you're uh, downsizing, this you need something. Um, we hear a lot of uh, the, the the phrase affordable housing. Affordable housing. Well, a lot of housing isn't affordable, no matter what you know, which end of the spectrum you're on. Um, how do you decide what is affordable housing, and is does that mean lower income for for lower income uh, Ontarians or? or because really nothing is affordable so how do you balance you know uh what you're doing as far as affordable housing those that can't afford it perhaps subsidize what have you uh, versus what everybody else is looking for
8: yeah I, I think it's all about the mix right like as i said to you we we need not just detached homes we need semi-detached triplexes quads we need family sized condos we need more rentals and i and i believe it's not just the planning changes and the freezing of fees and the streamlining development approvals, it, it be, means that we've, we've got to look at every step of uh, the housing continuum. And, we, and like I said, we've got to have everybody to do our part. There are things that I can control, um, like the planning process that I'm putting in this bill. There are going to be things that are going to be out of my control, uh, you know, like uh, interest rates at the, fe- at the federal level. So I've got to ensure that when the economy gets in a bit better shape, that I've put all the planning policies through so that municipalities can get shovels in the ground faster. That's that's what I've concentrated on. And as well, every mayor that I go and visit uh, talks about some government land that, uh, that I own or that the province owns that we should be turning into attainable housing. And that's one of the things that Minister Surma, our infrastructure minister, and I are going to look at. We're going to work with municipalities. And if there is you know a program where we can support the dream of affordable home ownership on a government owned property that we can you know deal with the land costs deal with the dc's that's something that i think is really exciting and i'm sure that we're going to get engagement at the municipal level very exciting
2: very exciting, yeah, especially after a municipal election, and, and it certainly is top of mind. All right, Steve, I can't let you go. I know you're the minister of housing. Are we going to hear something from uh, the premier in regard to the Emergencies Act and and whether he will uh, uh, go and and give his opinion on what's happened? Many are saying that if you don't talk, they'll talk for you. What, when are we going to hear from the premier?
8: Yeah, you know, you know, Scott, it's a, that's a policing issue. It's not a political issue. You know, it's a federal commission. Looking at a federal decision to invoke the uh, Emergencies Act, you know it, it, it's uh, it's not in in my jurisdiction to uh, to predict what's going to happen, but it's a fe- it's a federal matter, and uh, you know we're we're cooperating, we're providing the information that the that the commission wants, and you know that's 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 really all I have to say on it.
2: Steve Clark with us, Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing Changes, coming to how homes are built and planned in Ontario, which is welcome news. Steve, thanks for the time. Be well.
8: Yeah, be well. I'll see you soon.
0: You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML.
2: You know, at this end of the show, by the time you know your brain mush and stuff, because you've asked all the questions, you've interviewed all the smart people and such, but you know what I'm thinking? Um, uh, have you ever noticed that lines, phrases just become catchphrases? Like I remember a while ago, I think this was before the pandemic, when you'd say something to somebody, they'd go, 100%, 100%. So, did you notice that the tie cat? Hundred percent. Did you notice that in the election? Hundred percent. And now it's right, as if you're trying to convince people that you're right. So the other day I saw this, right? So this is what I saw, but now I'm trying to convince you that it's right. We got to have people on to talk about this. What is the next big catchphrase? What is it? Hundred percent? Is it right? If you're in the U.S., it's that's all I know. I tell you what. All right, let's bring in Scott Radley, host of The Scott Radley Show. You can read him in your Hamilton Spectator. Fresh off election coverage last night, he is with us now. Scott, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. I am doing well, Scott. How are you doing? So far, so good. Your thoughts on the results last night,, uh, very exciting. Great to listen to CHML and the coverage uh, that everybody uh, did in in bringing the results in and such uh, with a late night uh, uh, obviously result. But your thoughts on uh, andrea horvath and and the race between her and Keenan Loomis.
10: hundred percent, right? <laughs> That's all I know. I tell you what uh, uh, it was look, it, it, we um if you were on a deadline, it was terrible. If you were looking for drama, it yeah. was terrific. <laughs> yeah. um, it, was, uh, it was one of those nights where it was literally, and I don't say literally as another one of those throwaway words, I mean literally going down to the last few polls and you know swinging back and forth. It was like a great sports event where they keep changing leads and you don't know who's going to end up winning in the end. And I recognize and don't want to somehow make this seems silly i recognize this is really important because it's going to determine a whole lot of things about the future of our city and a lot of other things but just for that one evening before we get into the meaning of it all it was terrific drama
2: uh fascinating that we have two former uh, leaders of the of opposition meaning the liberal party and the ndp and each one are now mayors of cities meaning uh, Stephen, Stephen Del Duca, Del Duca. in Vaughn and obviously Andrea Horvath in in Hamilton. Uh, it, it's amazing. Now, you know, name recognition, you can go up and down with that. Uh, but it seems to me Andrea's found her sweet spot here. Uh, I may be being too generous, but um, it really seems that this might be her her bailiwick. Any thoughts? Uh,
10: two things on that one. First, uh, about Stephen Del Duca and Andrea Horvath, both, both becoming mayors, both people who didn't really um, rub Doug Ford's back a lot, let's say, over the last number of years. I do wait to see if the strong mayor powers will be extended to Hamilton and Vaughn. <laughs> I really do. That's going to be interesting. But as for Andrew Horvath and, and finding her spot, um, you're absolutely right about the fact that the one thing she came into this election with that i argue even more than bob bertina whose name was very well known around here was the name recognition i don't think you yeah. could i don't think there was a person in hamilton who doesn't know something about andrea horvath and traditionally in a municipal election that is absolute gold you that's the one yeah. thing that you just can't buy is name recognition where this was a little bit unique is her name recognition came with either baggage or wondrous things. Mm. yeah. Because you either, I don't think that, if you look at the polls that happened through the course of the election, there was one in July and there was one just before the election. Andrea Horvath started at 30-something percent. She, the second poll finished at 30-something percent. Now in the election, she went up to 40, but relatively speaking about the same as where Loomis was, she came in where everybody either liked her or didn't like her from day one. And I don't know that there was anything that she could have possibly done to change too many opinions. It turned out that it was enough for her and she got in. Now she has four years to either bolster the opinions of those who backed her or change the opinions of those who didn't, because now she's not NDP leader Andrew Horvath, she's mayor Andrew Horvath. And there's a big difference.
2: I think also past and, and present uh, uh, mayoral candidates are very envious of Andrea Horbath and that's simply because when she walks into the door as mayor, she's got nine new councillors. One of the big issues for any new mayor coming into any new city and especially Hamilton, no matter how many great ideas you had, you were going upstream with a council that you know could easily sway one way or the other depending upon what was going on behind the scenes. At least now uh, she's got a, a clean slate, which must be really refreshing if you're the mayor.
10: Assuming they work with you and break your way on a lot of votes, if you're the mayor, that's what you want. Now, clearly, we saw at least three new councillors who lean progressive, who lean left, to go with some who were already on council. That traditionally has been Andrea Horvath's side of the political aisle. So you would think that would benefit her to get things done. Once again, though, that election was very, very close. Keenan Loomis almost won that election. I yep, Andrea Horvath yep. absolutely has a mandate, and no one would argue that she doesn't, but I also think that she would be silly to dismiss the Loomis voters and go, well, I can now yep. go ahead and do whatever and don't care about them. There were a lot of people who Many- wanted to see Keenan Loomis win.
2: And many thought that Andrea's victory would be, if she did win, would be greater than what it was. It wouldn't be
10: so close. She is. No one will dispute that she won fair and square and that she is the properly elected mayor of Hamilton. But again, I think she would be, and she doesn't need my advice, I think she would be unwise to just dismiss those other people, the nearly 50% who didn't vote or who voted for her opponent and say, we don't care now, I'm in office. I, I think she will work to try and win those people over. We'll see.
2: I think it'll be fascinating. Scott Radley with us, host of The Scott Radley Show. You can read him in your Hamilton Spectator. Coming up right after the 6 o'clock news. As always, Scott, thanks for the time. Be well.
10: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
2: That's it for us. Thanks for listening. As always, we leave it to you, the taxpayer and customer, to have the last word. Mr. Lowe wrote in to say whether you agree or disagree with yesterday's election results, it is democracy working. If you choose not to vote, then you have absolutely no right to complain. And next election, you want to exercise
6: your privilege to vote. Many people on our planet lack such a privilege.